So let's everybody warm up, get to it. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Seeker. Season 2 is Mercy and Fire. We're going to discuss eight specific verses that walk us down the path to salvation. Our hope is that we can show how simple the plan really is to understand. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Let's talk about the All right, Daniel, where are we at tonight? Let's recenter. Where are we at tonight? Uh, Romans, yeah, let's read it. Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So this transitions right off of our, uh, our last episode, um, which talks about living a life, you know, for Jesus, basically. He gave his life for us. <laughs> which is what we said last episode, and now we have to live our life because of that for him, like live as Christ. I think what this verse really is talking about is demonstrating faith in everything that we've talked about before. This is where our acceptance of the gift comes. This is where our understanding of God's plan for us comes to fruition. When we, by faith, make what we refer to as the good confession, right? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Confessing that before men, making that declaration of faith, opens the door for us for salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's really the first faithful step that we take when we say, by faith, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, mm-hmm. you know, and that He rose from the dead. Um, so, yeah, I think this is an essential step. Well, in, and last week, we, I mean, well, last episode, I suppose, is a better way to say it, but we said, um, you know, we were talking about what the um, uh, resurrection is. You know, we talked about that for a little bit. And, you know, here it's going right back into it. So where it says, you know, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I mean, that has to be a component of, you know, what it means to be saved because it says you will be saved right after that. Yeah. So definitely, I mean, it's, it's just tying right in off that last, the last scripture, you know, the last uh, session that we had. Yeah, definitely. Belief in the resurrection is foundational. That's, that's bedrock. That's mm-hmm. where you start building your life of faith on. Right is that Jesus rose from the dead and has power over death and then can, therefore, because of that, save us from the second death, the spiritual death, the death that comes from the wages of sin. Yeah. Roll credits? Got anything to say, Julian? There's plenty. This thing's loaded. It sure is, isn't it? Well, it's loaded because... I totally agree with everything you just said, but this is way more than just saying that 
Jesus is the Son of God and walking off. I mean, otherwise, it wouldn't even, you wouldn't have even had to have the conjunction and then believe, right? There right. is yep. more to this than just confessing with your mouth. Because, as you said, the confession with the mouth is foundational to, or, or is, let's call it, one of the very first steps in showing this faithfulness. Um, however, believing means much more. Like, mm-hmm. when you believe in something... Um, it, it just means much more than just saying Jesus is the Christ. Back in Acts chapter two, when Peter was was speaking to that to that audience on Pentecost, you know he makes he actually quotes this like this new this exact same statement from the prophet Joel, and the people still ask him, "What do we have to do to be saved?" Like they didn't take that to mean. Oh man, all I have to do is just at this point say, yes, I believe Jesus is the Christ. Because back in that day to even say that you believe that Jesus is Christ meant that you were basically putting price on your head, right? To say that you believe that Jesus is God or the Son of God, you were elevating him above whoever the, the Caesar was or the power of the time. And you could get your head chopped off, right? You'd get killed. And that's belief. That was allegiance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what he's calling us to do here, man. It's building on all those verses that basically have built up and said Jesus is the authority and we have to do what he says do, follow him in his way and use yeah. his prescription. And here's the same thing. If you want to believe in him, you're taking all those things that he said previous to this that we've talked about and you're saying, yeah, I'm good with that. Thumbs up in that. Maybe right. tough, right. but you're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for every bit of that. That's belief. Yeah, just 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 believing that Jesus, you know, is is God. Basically, that's not enough, right? Because if you just say that you just believe, but don't have anything else that comes out of it, then um, then you're falling short, right? Because even demons believe and, and tremble and, and tremble, right? Yeah. We talked about that in James. That was James two nineteen, right? So uh, it's not enough to be able to just say, "Yeah, I believe." Okay, yeah, you believe, and then what? Yeah. Well. My question, though, is what else are you going to base your belief on if not the resurrection? If it's not Jesus' power over death and his conquering death by being raised again, then everything else is its just nice words, right? It's just the golden rule. But that doesn't have anything supporting it without the resurrection. If your faith isn't grounded in the idea and the belief, the, the belief in the reality of the resurrection, then the rest of it doesn't stand on much, does it? Well, so, yeah, it's certainly an essential part of the story or part of the, you know, the structure that's designed that way. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think kind of unintentionally we believe in ourselves we believe in ourselves a lot way too much um you know because when we sort of divert from this um first john says it better but when when we kind of divert from this and we kind of transgress and move away from um, doctrine and move away from the ideals that jesus has laid out there we kind of just say hey lord i believe in me you know and I believe in my ability to get things done. And, and I don't think we think of it as, I believe in me and my my ability to save myself. But essentially, that's what you do. It's like, well, Jesus, if what you've got going on is not good enough, 
then whatever I pick, I feel like is good enough, you know? And um, far too often we we try to actually take that on and we see where we come back to every time, you know? Just to sort of reframe that idea, I think that it, there's a real danger in getting too far away from the foundations of faith when we have, you know, been in the Bible for a while, when we have been in trying to follow, you know, we're supposed to grow in our understanding and we're supposed to mature in our walk of faith. But I think it's easy to sort of forget where we started from and what that's based on. And we start to look at, you know, we start to focus on minutiae. We start to you know, we get away from it and we start to focus on other aspects of faith, which are absolutely important, but they're not essential like this is. Mm. And I think as we start to do that, there's a real danger of sort of relying on not so much ourselves, but our what we like to think of our higher understanding, our deeper knowledge of the mysteries of faith. You know, I think it's easy sometimes, and I think there is a real threat in... A little knowledge is a dangerous thing, right? Well, we can expand on that. And, you know, I personally struggle with that sometimes. It's like I sort of over-intellectualize my faith when really it all comes back to belief in the resurrection, which you really can't intellectualize that. Like, that's not a process that makes a whole lot of logical sense. But it's a given, Right, It's sort of the starting point. You have to accept that starting point. You have to start where God tells you to start from. But it's easy to get away from that, I think. And I think, to your point, there's a real danger in relying on you know, my maturity and faith, my depth of spiritual understanding. You know, my, I, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. I got those basics covered. I don't have mm-hmm. to worry about that too much. Well, we have to worry about that a lot. Like We have to make sure, I think that we go back periodically and you know refresh ourselves in the very basics the what first brought us to Christ and its belief in his resurrection just to kind of boil verse 9 and 10 down into like its simplest form um, I mean, they both kind of basic well they both basically say the same thing you know confess Jesus as lord um, you know or, the, or at least just confess and then they also say you know that you have to uh, believe Right? So confess and believe, and you will be saved. So that's all we need to do, right? Is just confess and believe, and boom, done. No, <laughs> there's more to it than that. But that's where that's certainly where it starts. Yeah, that was setting you up for a little bit of a... I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, for a little attitude. A, a little reaction. We'll get there. But that's where it starts, mm-hmm. is you're not going to take the other steps necessary. You're not going to follow through with obeying the gospel if all you do is, oh, I believe it. Jesus is Lord. Boom, I'm done. I can walk away from this now. Right. You know, there are, there are faith without works is dead, right? So that's sort of empty faith, isn't it? Just yeah. like... Well, yeah, and I skipped over a very critical word when I just kind of overly simplified verse 9 and 10 because in the middle of 10 it says resulting, you know, it well says for the heart of a person believes resulting in righteousness and that's an important addition mm-hmm. so because, you know, the righteousness is uh, 
and basically, so, you know, having this morally right or justifiable kind of component to it, right? That's what righteousness is. Yeah. And so that means that you have to be, you know, you, you have to be right with God, right? You have to be following his commands, right? That's kind of yeah, the same line, right. right? So that's a huge component. You have to be in that relationship where you're doing what he asks and you're searching for what he asks. And um, we'll get into that farther, you know, as we get into more verses, because um, if it was really just as simple as confessing with your mouth uh, and believing, then it wouldn't have to be eight verses. It could be uh, six verses or wherever we're at right now. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's definitely there. I don't even know of anything that you that you quote unquote believe in that doesn't require you to do something. That you'll do something, therefore, it kind of. I don't want to say it justifies your belief. It does validate it for sure. Um, and obviously, that's what we're getting into. We're slipping. It's such a slippery slope we're on. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's true, even down to verse number 13. I know I was calling that out a minute ago, way back in um, Acts chapter 2, but, um, yeah. I, I like verse number 11, though. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, uh, I, I know I said this in some earlier podcast, but, you know, many people will say they believe in God because God in in, in the world we live in is framed up in so many different ways. So it seems pretty acceptable. Yeah, I believe in God. You believe in God? Good. We all have our own version. But when you say you believe in Jesus, it's a totally different different story. Like, you narrowed it down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, But it says here, actually, those who believe in Jesus will not be put to shame. Like, it's not a shameful thing. Now, did, they, did these folks this day and time, did they go through some stuff for believing in Jesus? Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. even the Jews trying to accept this very word in, out of Romans, they felt it shameful to accept Jesus in the, on the terms that Paul was pointing out. But I think ultimately um, there is no shame in this. This is, this is actually um, where we see the greatest victory is selling out. And, and that's, that's one way I kind of think about what it says here in verse number nine about believing in your heart. Like this is really like selling out to your, to, to Jesus and kind of just dropping everything you've got going on, like dropping the guns and just completely doing what he says. That's what so many not, of these not selling out in the bad term. No, in a good way. Good way. Selling out. Yeah. It's a good sellout. <laughs> okay. Solid. Got negative. You're negative about sellout. I like sellout. You should be a good sellout. Well, usually so that's a negative connotation. We changed right? it up tonight. Oh, yeah. You Today. Just, to you're making this it afternoon. You're making it one This thing. morning. Mm. Yeah, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Whatever time zone you're on. So I want to just cl- kind of clarify something because I, I have a feeling that there could be some people that are wondering. Okay, so verse 13 says, Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved, period. And then, you know, verse 9 and 10, which we've already said, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you'll be saved. And then um, if you believe, which results in righteousness, and you confess, you have salvation. So why is that not the end of the story, right? And and the reason, uh, you know, know, it says it like in a billion places, like this is all you have to do, and then you're saved, period. Now, I just want to kind of just clarify that 
it's super important when you read the Bible that you read the whole thing, right? So, right, because you can take any of these statements and you can make a super good argument mm-hmm. for being saved by you know just certain criteria, but um, but when you take all the criteria and add it up, then you have like a, to- a much bigger list of what the criteria really is, right? Right. Well, to break this. To sort of answer that question, I think we need to look at this verse and its components. And that is that righteousness is tied to belief. Righteousness is tied to where your heart is, where your mind is, what you're thinking, where you you know, where you are in that level. Salvation is tied to doing something. Salvation is tied to obeying the command of God, which in this case is confession. That's not the only command that we have dealing with salvation, but it does deal with obedience to the will of God, right? The the works of faith that James I think James would refer to. So when we look when we think about it that way, we go back to the salvation part. Oh. Righteousness is tied to belief. Uh-huh. Which is the state of your heart, the state of your mind, where you are in relationship to your understanding of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Righteousness, or salvation rather, is tied to an action, to doing something, to confession, to you know, making the statement. To believe. It's yeah. tied to the belief that drives, that compels you to act in obedience to the gospel. Okay. That's where you're going. Right. That's where salvation is. Mm-hmm. This is... The point being, this isn't the only action tied to salvation in the gospel. The concept is obeying the gospel by your works, by not... And I don't want to say that because we don't earn it, but we are called on (laughs) to respond to it. You know, God wants us to take steps in faith, through faith, because of our belief. Right. Right? That's what James teaches us. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul says in uh, Ephesians that um, we're saved by faith and faith alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. But James says that faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. So if that faith doesn't compel you to try to understand and obey the gospel message, right. then you're going to miss out on salvation unless you're careful. To fully understand what that means. Right. What's expected. What God's will in this regard is. Right. Does that answer your question a little bit, I I hope? Yep. Yep. I think I just muddied the water some. You can mute me. Julian's got a face on. Because uh, I don't... I think uh, righteousness is also... Righteousness is tied to action as much as salvation is. I don't think that you attain righteousness because of belief. Unless action... Is in it. Ooh, snap. You did. Because it, it almost comes off like I could. Uh, I don't know how. Because, in uh, fact, back, back to James. said to me, Lord, Lord, will I enter the kingdom of heaven? But who? He who does the will of my Father. Does which is in the will of my Father. Which well, that's is in what I'm heaven. saying. If there's no salvation action. Salvation is tied to doing that. Righteousness comes from within, salvation comes from obedience. I'm talking about the righteousness that is attained from. The Lord, not right doing. Not doing the right thing. Doing the right thing is 
well, we could say it is different than the righteousness that comes from the Lord. I don't. I don't necessarily believe. I don't believe. think righteousness comes through actions. Does it? It seems like you're going to have to make an action to ever be right. Well, yeah. your righteous actions are based on your righteousness, which comes through belief, which comes through s- submission to the will of God. But that's an action. And then you do, well, that's the works of faith. That's what James is talking about. Yeah, but, but your belief... Because, uh, you could do all the same things mm-hmm. with no belief at all. Sure. Does that make you righteous? No, but right. But you you're gotta not gonna have the belief component. But the belief is an action which no belief to is an action. Yeah, no, you, you believe can, it's a burden. You, you must like you can't. You can have dead faith that doesn't ever do anything. Sure, there's no righteousness there. Is there in dead faith? There's righteous action based on faith. In dead faith? Because of faith. Not in dead faith. There's no righteousness in there's, dead faith. Because there's no action taking place. That's what I just said. It you is. have to have I action just to have... I myself right back into it. You have to have action <laughs> to have... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, you have to have action to have to attain righteousness. I'm looking for the verse that actually says that. I know there is one, and I thought it was in Romans. It's do or do not. There is no try. I can't remember. So. That's Second Jedi. Second, <laughs> second Jedi. Second, yeah. second Yoda three four. <laughs> oh, I keep leaving my glasses at home. But Daniel, you said that. Let's all go what did to cutting cords. <laughs> Daniel, you were saying that you thought belief was not an action. But Julian, you were saying you thought it was an action. Yes. I gotta take Julian's side on that one. Ah, you I said, Whoa. "You better take the Lord's side." <laughs> okay, good call. Good call. Well, how? How? I mean, to believe something. I mean, that is. I mean, it seems like a, a verb. Yeah, like you were saying, Julian. I mean, it is. Yeah, you believe it. I kind of found this verse. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. I'm with that. Practices. You're right. Oh, I oh, need oh. to shut up. Oh, I was like, no, I'm I'm on board with what you just said. <laughs> but that's that's not what I'm looking for. Um, Don't let me deceive you. Okay, so let's just summarize this. Okay, so you read the cricket article outside. What you read? Did you say what verse that was? First John three and verse. First John three verse seven. Yeah, seven. Okay, read it again now. Um, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Okay. He who sins is of the devil. Okay, so there's a lot of back and forth there for a while between you guys. So Gosh, why don't you re-summarize? Wait, so that. I was here's where I was I was thinking about what we were just reading in Second Corinthians five. Because after we start this part and we're like, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge not dot dot dot. And he died for us, 
that we should live no longer for themselves, the action of repentance for, for him who died for us and then rose again. At the bottom of that in 21, it says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Like, to be. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's what I was talking about, but you, I mean, you slam dunked what I was going for at any rate. So to summarize, Julian had a, a more clear and deeper understanding of the truth than Daniel did in this instance. Is that wrong? <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Radio listeners. I mean, wow. Radio listeners. <laughs> it's been fun talking to you all. <laughs> And good night. <laughs> We're so sorry, radio <laughs> No, I just get to make fun of people because I, I didn't say anything the whole time. So no matter what, I was going to come out on the right side of this. <laughs> he was like, oh, amen. Yeah, yeah. amen. Yeah, he flipped a coin, <laughs> came out Julian, and got lucky is what happened. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to go with this one. All right, cool. So let's, um, let's regroup then, shall we? Let's please. Um, there's a little bit of confusion going on for a while there. So we had to talk that one. Yeah. Out. So where are we at now? Resummarize, Daniel. Julian. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you're right. He's the one that gets it. Sorry, <laughs> gets it. I'm <laughs> spinning over here. So I had to come back to where we actually were. <laughs> Romans. Uh, yeah, because we kind of went off on this little thing for a while and then I'm just trying to forget how it you know how we got there. I don't know how we got started, but somehow Because I said the thing about righteousness and belief and salvation and actions. And or rather obedience. Not actions, obedience. You didn't say actions? That's what set me off. I probably did, and I should have stuck with obedience. Oh. I think where we ended up, we were saying, yes, both righteousness and salvation um, come through, not of ourselves, as from what we, we read in Second Corinthians, um, but come through obedience. Both come through obedience and action. Right. Yeah, because I think this started because, Daniel, you were saying that there's... Um, well, I had made the comment that um, you can't just, you got to look at the whole picture, you know, right. to find uh, what what's salvation really encompasses, what, what that requires. You can't just, you know, peri- or cherry pick uh, certain verses. Um, you got to look at the total of it all. And then that's where you were talking about, yeah. you know, all these other components that go into it with the obedience and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, and I... I think the point that I was probably trying to make is that confession is an element of obedience, but it's not the complete picture of obedience, right? That confession is necessary, but not the sum total. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Because we have to take the whole word for what the whole word has to say. You know, but it's interesting in so many other areas, when we confess something and we say that it's true, we say that we believe it, we would all tie many other things to that. Opposed to whoever it comes down to Jesus and the Bible, so many times it feels just okay to just, just say it, you know, just verbalize it and walk off and say, there it is, and put the fish sticker on the back of our car. However, in um, any other thing, like if you admit that gravity exists, 
you will also follow through and not try to jump off a tall building, right? Because mm-hmm. the belief has actually instilled in you some faith and it, 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 it prompts and changes your actions. Um, this is really no different to say that we really believe in something and we really confess. Um, it, it's, it means that we're going to follow through with some type of action. And, you know, uh, kind of where you landed uh, with that piece um, in verse number 13, Romans ten thirteen. Like the replay of this in Acts chapter two leads them to the same thing. It leads them to some form of action, right? Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert: verse number sixteen does say, "But they have not, uh, but but they have not all obeyed the gospel." And then he starts talking about like, you know, right. those those back in the day. But I think that obeying the gospel piece is kind of a a spoiler to to what happens here and what went down. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna believe, you know, that you know, confess the name of Jesus, um, then you know we talked about this you know, in the last in the last session that you're gonna have to be a changed person. You know, you're gonna be living your life for Christ, so it's inevitable that something beyond just that belief is gonna have to happen. You're gonna be a whole new person, right? Because if you say you believe and just keep doing what you've been doing you know, what's changed? Like, how are you a new creature? No, you're the same creature, you know, you're, because you don't really believe. <laughs> if you really believe, then you're going to really look into, you know, the other details and say, okay, I do believe. So what else does Jesus say? Right. What else do I, you know, what's, what's in here? And you got to dig into it and really just go for it. Um, you got to fully commit, right? And it's, you know, and, you know, there's, you can't serve two masters. You know, are we going to, are we going to choose God and Lord? Because if you look at um, verse 9, you know, it starts off, you know, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So right there, I mean, that alone is a mouthful because um, confessing Jesus as Lord means that you're choosing him, that he is going to be the master of your life. And um, all the other things that up until this point in your life have been ruling uh, or, you know, taking priority in your life, no longer get to you anymore. Now Jesus is Lord. And out of that is going to cascade just a whole bunch of soul searching, a whole bunch of, um, you know, discussion and truth seeking in the scripture. And out of that, you're certainly going to have to become a changed person. And, um, and that's what's going to result in that righteousness. And then eventually salvation. Agreed. But I will say, you know, when you were thinking, uh, we were talking about resurrection. When you layer the resurrection over this thing and and you think about what Jesus did and you picture the cross and the whole time he was doing that for you, it makes this, this whole thing, it should seem very easy, mm-hmm. you know. It should seem super easy, super easy yeah. to follow. I mean, the most yeah. beautiful picture is the saddest picture all at once is the most glorious picture is the most beautiful picture in the way that you want to rejoice like you were saying earlier about get gathering around the lord's supper um when you put that in context you go oh man it's really easy to follow that if you could picture that you know him on the cross like looking at you he's like this is for you jesse you're like of course i would follow that right yeah absolutely
it's so uh, unfortunate that uh, being detached from actually being able to witness that makes it so much harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, we don't have the privilege of that. You know, we can only imagine it. And it's just so easy to just lose sight of that with the day-to-day things that happen and come and go. And pretty soon you're distracted, and then suddenly Jesus is not Lord in your life anymore, right? You prioritize something else on top of that. And the consequences will come out of it, just the continual struggle. But, uh, but you're right, Julian, though, when you put it in that context. And that's why we do it every week, you know? That's why we think about it, right? And that was part of the reason to remember you know, because that's what Jesus said, you know, do this in remembrance of me. We're supposed to remember. Because what happens, what happened to the children of Israel when they stopped making habits of continually remembering? Yeah. They would slip right back into their pattern of disobedience, and then some other nation would come in and <laughs> kind of destroy them, and then uh, they'd come, you know, asking God for forgiveness again. So I think that's a big part of why we need that reminder is to always... Um, to be able to just keep that in front of us all the time. Like, look, this is what Jesus did for us. He did all the heavy lifting. We're yoked to him. Our burden is light. <laughs> I, was, I thought it was going to be really good to tell him what you just said. Just I'll, I'll, can't, I'll edit it in. It's cool. Can't find who he... Jesus says to Peter. Don't be able to get a real fast on Peter, that, that who do men say that I? Here we go. Yeah. Where does Where does Jesus say? I thought it was in uh, Matthew 16 when he's talking to Peter. And he's like, "Who do men say that I am?" And eventually he says, um, "You are the Christ, your Son of the Living God." And he says, "Blessed are you, Son of our generous flesh and blood is not revealed to you, but Father's in heaven." Where is the one where he says, "And bless those who, having never seen me, believe in my name"? Blah blah blah. In John 20, even back with verse number 24, so Thomas, you know, wasn't there initially when Jesus kind of shows up after the resurrection, hasn't seen him, hears that Jesus has been there and is basically there after death, and he's like, I have to see proof, right? I I can't just believe that Jesus is really Jesus. I need to see nail prints and hands. That That's the way I will believe. And in verse number 25, it says, The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of his nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, look at my hands, and reach your hands here. Put it my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And that's kind of the message for us as to what you were saying. Like we, mm-hmm. we are far removed from seeing Jesus on the cross. But what he's still saying is that we not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God, which should be our response. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That's us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't see him, can't touch him, um, but but we have to believe in the same way. And that's the belief that it's going to take to really confess with our mouth, Jesus is the Son of God, and believe. That's what it's going to take. Yeah. What do you got? I've got the scene at the tomb. When Mary goes to the tomb, 
in mourning because Jesus is dead. Mm-hmm. And she goes to see where they've buried him. And she gets there, and the stone is rolled away from the tomb, like you said. And she's told, he is not here. He is risen. Like that right there, that is what confirms our faith. That's what establishes that belief in our heart. He is not here. He is risen. Mm -hmm. And taking that and confessing that, that we believe that, that he is not here, he is risen, is the cornerstone of our salvation. That's what it's all built upon. Thanks for listening to Seeker. Find us at seekerpodcast.com. Check out our website to see our blog. Thank you, Suzanne, for writing us some awesome articles there. Thanks. Bye.